From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome to the very first episode of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. Well, here we are, near the end of a, a tumultuous year. Uh, 2020 has been a, a wild ride, to say the least, in many ways. Uh, but I'm so glad to begin this journey of paranormal news, discovery, uh, and, and kind of looking into the unknown and seeing what's out there and you know, expanding our horizons. And I hope you're here uh, with us for the long haul, as every week we'll be jumping into uh, topics of the paranormal. Now, normally, when we start this program, we might have a few announcements um, every week, and then we're going to jump directly into the news, because ultimately what this is all about is is really getting you the latest news uh, around the paranormal, the unknown, things that are going on in the week. Uh, but this week, I wanted to take a moment to just kind of talk through what we're going to be looking at every week, since this is the very first episode, who I am. Uh, and then we can go from there. Then we can jump into some news. So each week, I'll be scouring the internet for news and stories in the world of the paranormal and unknown. My main interests lie in UFO sightings. Uh, I'd say that's probably one of my larger, deeper interests. Um, so we'll be focusing a lot on that. But I'm also interested interested in, in hauntings, uh, interesting tech and military news, space, astronomy, and, and cryptozoology, I'd say, is another uh, sort of very big key interest of mine. And given my location in the Pacific Northwest, Sasquatch is never far from mine. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be diving into that for sure. Uh, I'll also be surfacing news from China, uh, its relationship with the United States and the international community. Um, everyone is focused on COVID, and undoubtedly it's important. It's been the story of the year. It's the story of now. But I think COVID will eventually go away. I, I'm very positive um, in, in thinking that, I think. Uh, you know, and some people may disagree, but I, I think it's it will soon be on its way out, I hope. Uh, and, and what will be left behind, and what I think the next big story could very well be, is the world's relationship with communist China. Uh, and that, in fact, while COVID is the story of now, I think that may become the story of the decade. Every week, I think we're going to take a look, even if it's just a story, maybe two, and we'll keep them brief, but just surfacing some things that you may not hear from uh, your your nation's media. Uh, and if I'm spe specifically talking to the United States audience, uh, the U.S. audience, I think uh, we don't hear nearly enough about what's happening in communist China. Um, and I think we need to start surfacing and discussing these things. Maybe not on this show, but I do want to sort of surface at a, at a cursory level some interesting news tidbits about what's going on in China. Uh, things that you may not hear in, in your normal nightly news broadcast on the major networks. So we'll be doing that. But really, the main focus is the paranormal. It's it's uh, UFO sightings, ufology, uh, things of that nature. That's going to be the main focus. And um, we'll, we'll do what we can to kind of bring them all together into a an interesting uh, program around around all of that, around all that subject matter here on the Parachronicle Almanac. So that's what the show's going to be about. Uh, but a little about myself. Uh, Jonathan Hawk is my pseudonym, and I use it proudly. I believe that over time, anonymity will help protect the freedom of information this show will come to offer while providing me with the uh, 
uh, even, a, even a minute amount of personal freedom uh, as well. But make no mistake, pseudonym aside, uh, I am real. I am me. The stories that I tell when I choose to divulge personal details about myself or things that I've experienced, it's all true. It's me. The pseudonym is there to protect my identity, and I hope that it's respected, and I hope you don't mind that I'm doing that. But I did want to be upfront, forthright, from the get-go, that that is a pseudonym to protect my identity. Uh, but I enjoy it. I think it's kind of fun for whatever reason. I don't know why. Feels good to me, so I thought I'd run with it. So that's who I am, kind of. Now, I I will say, uh, many years ago, I used to run a UFO reporting website where people could come and report their sightings, and it was rather popular for its time. I'm talking maybe 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, and it was something I really enjoyed doing, uh, but life happened, um, you know, jobs, things like that, and it just took away from the time that I wanted to ultimately dedicate, which I'm doing now, back to one of my favorite subject matters, which is the paranormal and... UFO sightings and, and things that are just unknown in our world. So I'm glad to kind of be back doing this. Um, I do have a little bit of background and uh, experience in the subject matter, uh, or subject matters, really, um, that we're going to be talking about. Um, but it's been a while, and so I have a lot of catching up to do and learning, relearning of what's been going on in the last 20 years and in this uh, crazy world of ours. So again, I hope you I hope you stick around, enjoy the journey, and we'll learn a lot together. Um, and we'll get get more into some of the things that I'm looking from you toward the end of the show, uh, because I do want this show to be partially uh, listener driven as well. But we'll get into those details later. For now, though, I think we should kind of get into just into the habit of what we're going to be doing every week, which is really just jumping into the news. So thanks for listening to this abnormally long intro to the Parachronicle Almanac for this very first edition. And we're going to do it. Let's jump into our first story. Our top story this week comes to us from Utah. And I'm sure you heard of this story. It's been all over the place, but uh, we couldn't not cover it because it's kind of been a growing story over, over just the last couple of days in particular. So this is from CNET. Uh, and this is about the monolith seen near uh, Shadowlands, uh, sorry, not Shadowlands, Canyonlands <laughs> National Park uh, in Utah. Uh, again, from CNET. Um, a week or so ago, the internet went wild upon the discovery of a strange metal monolith seen mysteriously standing in the middle of the Utah desert. The structure stood out from its surroundings with a, with a metallic sheen spotted from a Utah Department of Public Safety helicopter as it surveyed the area. Quote, I'd like to say it's probably between 10 and 12 feet, uh, pilot Brett Hutchings told KSL. We were kind of joking around that if one of us suddenly disappears, then I guess the rest of us make uh, make a run for it. Uh, the crew landed to take a closer look. Hutchings uh, said the monolith was stuck firmly into the ground and speculated it might have a NASA connection or perhaps a work of art. Twitter feeds were immediately dominated with the conspiracy theories. Uh, were aliens responsible? Was it a piece of art? Was it a large... Uh, was it the largest scale monolith prank ever seen? Well, Reddit users jumped on the mystery using Google Earth uh, to isolate the monolith's approximate location. 
tracking the flight paths of Utah Public Safety's helicopter Public Safety's helicopters to triangulate a rough area near Canyonlands National Park and the Colorado River. Historical imaging shows that it actually arrived sometime between August of 2015 and October 2016, which is a pretty wide date range there. But just as soon as Reddit users began making headway in tracing back the origins of the monolith, it vanished. You'd think that would be the end of that, right? Wrong. Here's everything we know so far. And again, this is from CNET. In light of the aesthetic, location, and rough timing for the original monolith's appearance, internet sleuths narrowed down some of the wilder theories to two frontrunners. The first uh, is that the monolith could be either a leftover prop or the work of minimalist sculptor John McCracken. The Canyonlands National Park is a relatively popular area for filming, from big-budget films like Mission Impossible 2 to epic sci-fi dramas like HBO's Westworld, the latter of which was filming in a nearby location in 2016. Given the metallic structure's futuristic look, it makes sense to guess that someone on the Westworld crew either didn't pack everything up properly, or maybe even used the metal slab to play a long-term Kubrick-inspired prank on the world but we're yet to see any footage of similar props on the show, so the guess remains just that, a guess. Another promising but equally puzzling theory is that it could be the work of the late sculptor John McCracken. The David's Werner Gallery, which reportedly represents his estate, appeared to suggest in a tweet that the Utah monolith was a legit McCracken. Quote, The portal to Utah is at David's Werner 20th Street, the gallery tweeted, implying that it was something from their gallery or something from the collection. So that was in Utah, and then I believe several days later in Romania, uh, this story pops up, and this is also part of CNET's report. And in case you thought the story couldn't get any weirder, just remember it's 2020 and anything's possible. A structure that appeared to be identical to the one in the Utah desert was found in Batka Domine Hill in Romania on November 26th, according to the Mirror. Uh, but it didn't remain for very long. According to a Tuesday report by Reuters, the Romanian monolith disappeared four days later. The nine-foot-tall structure disappeared overnight as quietly as it was erected last week, journalist Robert Iosub uh, of a local newspaper told Reuters. An unidentified person, apparently a local, a, a bad local welder, made it, uh, and now all that remains is just a small hole covered by rocky soil. So that one seems to have been debunked, um, but what's interesting is that later, well, we'll get to that in a second, and a slight update on the Utah monolith. Uh, as I've read in the Salt Lake Tribune recently in the last couple of uh, days, last 48 hours or so, it's actually been torn down by a few folks who have been trying to protect the land out in that area. Uh, one of them is a base jumper and a slackliner who uh, apparently performed in the 2012 Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, but he and some friends uh, who, who like to protect the land out there went out, were very disappointed in seeing uh, some of the destruction to the natural landscape uh, from visiting people trying to look at the monolith. Apparently there was an issue with human waste too, like people, you know, there's no infrastructure out there, it's, it's a pretty remote location, so there weren't even porta-potties, there weren't parking lots, you know, things that you might see at, a, at, a, at your typical national park or even a state park. Uh, the infrastructure that supports a, a larger group of people visiting. So they were kind of disappointed in seeing what was going on with the land out there in the middle of nowhere and uh, decided to just tear it down and drag it away. So uh, who knows where that actually went, but um, apparently it's no longer there anymore. So if you're looking for the monolith, don't, because it's not there in Utah. But just as that was occurring, 
uh, oddly enough, uh, in California, uh, really actually just, I think, a, only a handful of days ago, uh, comes this story from Newser. Late last month, a, a 2001 Odyssey-like monolith appeared in the Utah desert. Not long after, another identical-looking structure appeared in Romania. They've both since vanished. Now, yet another monolith has been discovered, this time in California. Quote, there's currently a monolith at the top of Pine Mountain in a Tuscadero, tweeted Connor Allen on Wednesday afternoon, with a trio of pictures capturing the strange new monolith at the top of Pine Mountain in, you guessed it, where he said, a Tuscadero, California. According to local newspaper, the Tuscadero News, the monolith appeared on the mountain on Wednesday morning. Hikers naturally flocked to take in the shiny metal object. No one, not a marketing company or NASA or artists or pranksters or a movie studio, nothing, have come clean as to being the culprit behind the strange appearances. What we do know is that the Utah structure appeared to be made from stainless steel, standing at a, between 10 to 15 feet high, according to the Department of Public Safety, uh, who spotted the first monolith in the desert. Um, and yeah, this, this, new, uh, this new monolith in California seems to be equally as shiny, equally as big and tall. Um, it's kind of unusual that these things are popping up all over the place. Uh, unlike the Utah structure, the Atascadero obelisk, which appears to be welded together at each corner and slightly slimmer, can apparently be knocked over with a firm push, according to the Atascadero News. Reddit users have found it difficult to make headway into tracing the structure's origins. Reddit users have found it difficult to make headway into tracing the structure's origins, since the Utah and Romania monoliths both vanished days after their discoveries. Question is, is this going to happen uh, the same way with this California monolith? And and who put it there and why? Like, is it is it part of some sort of promotional, uh, you know, a, a movie promotion? Uh, just uh, creating some mystery, creating some buzz about something coming up. Uh, not that we can go to theaters right now, but, you know. And who knows? Maybe by then we'll we'll have some sort of answer as to who's been putting these monoliths in, around the world and why. In other news, UFO sightings are up 51% during the COVID-19 pandemic. With an abundance of free time as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, people are increasingly turning their attention to stargazing. Sometimes they can't quite believe what they're seeing. According to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, sightings of unidentified flying objects, uh, otherwise known as UFOs or now UAPs, are up 51% in 2020 over the same period in 2019. The data comes from the National UFO Reporting Center, a two-person operation out of Harrington, Washington, which accepts and compiles sightings from individuals and says that more than 5,000 incidents have been reported this year. Peter Davenport, who runs the center, told the journal that many UFO sightings can be chalked up to drones, to planes, or satellites, but there are nonetheless a number that have no clear origin. Recently, the Navy even released footage of three UFOs spotted by pilots that have no obvious explanation. In August, the Pentagon announced a task force to study, quote, unexplained aerial phenomenon, or UAPs, as I mentioned before, another term for what could be alien aircraft surveying humans. With more time to look skyward, people may find more UFOs or UAPs to pique their curiosity, and 2020 may ultimately end up with more believers and fewer skeptics than it started. And in the same vein, experts are probing a Long Island UFO sighting. Actually, it's a group of sightings. 
From questionable orbs to planets mistaken for alien spacecraft visiting Earth, there continues to be no shortage of purported UFO sightings in the skies over Long Island, experts say. NASA and Suffolk counties have seen more than two dozen uh, reported UFO sightings in each of the past two years, according to Cheryl Costa, author of UFO Desk Reference. Quote, a single golden-colored circular UFO was perfectly still, relatively low in the sky, an Elmont resident told the National UFO Reporting Center in June. Quote, I have never seen something stay so, so still and so low in the sky before. The sky was fairly overcast, and the object was visible underneath the clouds, so it was not a star or a planet. Have never seen anything like it. The U.S. and New York State is on track to record the most UFO sightings this year since 2014, Costa said. New York recorded nearly 200 sightings last year, according to multiple UFO observation groups. Joseph Flammer, a Long Island-based uh, field investigator with the Mutual UFO Network, otherwise known as MUFON, said some reports are easily ruled out while others are not. Quote, we receive a steady flow of reports, but after investigations, we found many are reports of airplanes and planets especially Venus, he said. One report from South Huntington arrived with a photo of a triangle of lights in the sky. Uh, MUFON's photo expert was able to identify heat source in each of the lights, thus ruling this triangle a collection of lanterns that by chance fell into formation of a triangle. On the other hand, the same expert studied a recent video from Valley Stream which showed lights orbiting uh, across the sky and found they were genuine UFOs. No heat source, no exhaust, contrails, or even a noise, and probably not man-made, he continued. The expert could tell us what they weren't, but not what they were. That's always the biggest question. On Long Island, our major, uh, our major sightings typically involve orbs, often a group of seven or so at one time traveling in the sky. Sometimes the unusual sightings are on the ground. I went out to look at something and noticed unusual prints on our lawn. An old Westbury resident told uh, the National UFO Reporting Center of tracks in the snow in January. Clear footprints, but single, not two together, measuring 17 inches long. The prints are approximately four feet apart. Definitely not an animal, as they are huge, huge single prints. Uh, made my husband come out, and by the way, this is a quote, made my husband come out and see them. He was definitely freaked out by them, and we couldn't figure them out. Even went uh, by my local PD and said, we're not crazy, but these are not on our lawn, the observer added. We knew they wouldn't do anything. We kind of all were just kidding about a Yeti, but they definitely were trying to figure it out too. I was walking around the snow and my foot just left prints, didn't go down to the grass at all. These were all prints where the grass was showing and therefore are very clear, meaning they were pretty deep and whatever it was was pretty heavy. You know, was it a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot? Probably not. Uh, but definitely unusual, and it's interesting they reported it to the PD, local PD, and they came out to take a look. So, I don't know. We'll kind of track this. It's interesting that Long Island actually has kind of a history, a longer history of unusual uh, UFO activity going back decades, really. Um, and maybe that's something to deep dive in, in, in a future episode, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll see what sort of activity happens in the next little bit and if we hear anything we'll report it on the next episode or future episodes and if you happen to be out and you see something unusual up in the sky maybe you're stargazing maybe you're uh maybe you're a trucker and you're along a, a dark highway in the middle of the night and you see something in the sky uh, we want to hear from you uh, we want this show to be something that is yours as well so um, if you see something 
tell us at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And uh, tell us your story. And try to remember as many details as possible. It's really important and key to um, you know, making your sighting report a little bit more legitimate by giving detail around what you've seen or what you're seeing that night. Um, or maybe it's at daytime too, who knows? Uh, you know, remember the direction it's going? Is it going east to west? Uh, north south what's the direction what's the weather condition like did you hear any sound uh were there other witnesses um you know just as many details as you can remember and of course where you were at the time what's what state what location uh just the general conditions that way um it just brings a little bit more credibility to your story and to your account um and makes it a little bit easier to investigate. But again, we'd love to hear from you. So hawk at theparachronicle.com. And at the end of this program, we also have a call-in number that you are more than welcome to reach out to us on. Um, So stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, if you're seeing things, give us a call. Let us know. Another favorite topic of mine are ghosts, uh, the spirit world things that we see, things that go bump in the night and things we see at the, uh, at a moment of, uh, when, when least expected. Um, and I, 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 so I enjoy a good ghost story. Uh, and this one comes out of the UK and it's not really a ghost story is more of just an account and, uh, a story about sort of a haunted location. Um, uh, but this comes, uh, from the Northern Echo, uh, and the article is titled, is this evidence of ghostly goings on in a museum? A visitor to a local museum has taken what he believes is a photo of a ghost. The photo was taken in Head of Steam, the railway museum which occupies the building, which was once Darlington's North Road Station. It was built in 1842, and it was a major hub for the early railway industry. Since then, it has picked up a reputation for being a hotspot for ghostly activity. The photographer took the picture looking into the old ticket kiosk that is on display in the station. It was taken before the second lockdown when museums were still open. The station is said to be haunted by several ghosts, one of which is a ticket clerk who shot himself in 1845. The first sighting of the ghost was in the 1850s when a night watchman claims to have been attacked by the apparition. The watchman thought he was uh, saw a trespasser. When he approached, the apparition turned and punched him in the face. When he came back to his senses, he saw the apparition leave through a wall. Another potential ghostly suspect is that of a young Victorian girl sitting in a third-class train carriage on display in the museum. The girl is usually seen sitting on her own in the far-right compartment at the back of the carriage. A spokesperson from Head of Steam said, In the past, staff have heard footsteps when only one member of staff was in the building, and the occasional whiff of cigarette smoke when no one was allowed to smoke on site. A psychic medium was brought in and uh, came to the museum and commented on feeling and sensing things which, when mentioned to staff, they confirmed they had also sensed and felt as well. So this is kind of an interesting one where uh, this is is a ghost story that actually goes back to the 1850s where people have, have encountered ghostly activity at, uh, at this train station for almost a hundred and what are we at here? 2020. So if my math is correct, we're talking about 170-ish years of, of haunting. Uh, man, I feel terrible for those ghosts. I hope they, I hope they find peace one day. 
in a in a mashup of what will normally be two separate sections in our program, we'll have the China Watch section covering news about China, and we'll have uh, the astronomy section, which is really about astronomy. It's about space and things like that. Uh, this is a little bit of a mashup, uh, so it kind of combines the two, uh, and it comes out of NPR News, and the headline reads, China Moon Mission Will Try to Bring Back the First Lunar Rocks in Decades. This week, China launched an uncrewed spacecraft to the moon with the goal of shoveling up lunar rocks and soil and bringing them back to Earth. If successful, it would be the first time any country has retrieved samples from the moon in more than 40 years. The mission, called Chang'e 5, is part of a series of complex trips to the moon by the China National Space Administration. In January 2019, China landed a spacecraft on the far side of the moon, something that had never been done before. Now, if successful, China will be only the third country ever to have retrieved samples from the moon following the United States and the Soviet Union in the 1960s and 70s, respectively. The spacecraft launched from Wenchang Space Launch Center on a Hainan Island, China, earlier this week on Tuesday. Uh, according to Space Launch Now, a site that tracks rocket launches around the world. It will collect about four pounds of surface material from a previously unexplored region over the course of one lunar day, equivalent to around 14 Earth days, which will keep the electronics from potentially damaging in the extreme overnight cold temperatures, according to the science journal Nature. The samples will mostly be stored at the Chinese Academy of Sciences National Astronomical Observatory of China in Beijing, it's not clear whether the samples will leave the country for outside research. The samples are important because they could help scientists understand volcanic activity on the moon and when volcanoes were last active. The lunar rocks and soil could confirm that volcanoes were active billions of years more recently than previously thought. If that's true, uh, we will rewrite the history of the moon. Shaolong, a planetary geologist of the China University of Geosciences in Wuhan, told Nature. The sample will be returned to Earth, parachuting into a grassland area of the autonomous region of Inner Mongolia in China sometime in early December, says NASA. So we'll keep an eye on this one. We'll see what happens. Uh, interesting that it's the first time in about 40 years that uh, soil and rocks will be returned from the moon back to Earth. And I find it interesting that we're so focused on Mars at least here in the U.S. Uh, we are. And uh, this feel, almost feels like a little bit of a rope-a-dope, where China's maybe getting ahead of the game a little bit when it comes to the moon and other things. But I guess only time will tell when it comes to that. Uh, and it's still, it'll be interesting to see what sort of science uh, comes out of this and what geological history we'll be able to learn about the moon and how long it's been volcanic or was volcanic. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on this one. Moving on to celestial news, the Christmas star is to light up the December sky for the first time in 800 years. On December 21st, humans can witness something not seen in nearly 800 years. That's right, during the upcoming winter solstice, and I believe that's on the winter solstice directly, Jupiter and Saturn will line up to create what is known as, quote, the Christmas star or the star of Bethlehem. These two planets haven't appeared this close together from Earth's vantage point since the Middle Ages. Alignments between these two planets are rather rare, occurring only every 20 years or so, but this conjunction is exceptionally rare because of how close the planets will appear to be to one another, according to Patrick Hardigan, uh, astronomer at Rice University. 
you'd have to go all the way back to just before dawn, March 4th, 1226, to see a closer alignment between these objects visible in the night sky. Stargazers in the northern hemisphere should turn their heads and telescopes to the southwest portion of the sky about 45 minutes after sunset to see the planets align on December 21st. However, reportedly sightings can be seen throughout that entire week, uh, just not as intense. Um, according to Forbes, a star sighting of this magnitude won't occur again until 2080. So December 21st, get out there on the evening of and take a look at the Christmas star, which is actually, I guess you could say the Christmas, Christmas planets. And then on December 13th and 14th are the Geminid meteor shower. Uh, and it, it's a lot of people call it the king of meteor showers. It's considered by many to be the best shower um, producing up to 120 multicolor meteors per hour at its peak. Um, and uh, that's going to be happening on the 13th and 14th. Uh, and it, it uh, tends to run annually around that same time every year. Um, so uh, the morning of the 15th could also be uh, pretty active. So keep an eye on that. Uh, it's also near a new moon, which means the skies are going to be darker. And I love these celestial events because it kind of gives you a marker and a time where you should go outside, take a few minutes for yourself, enjoy the night sky, look at some uh, some of our galactic events happening up in the skies above because ultimately you never know what you might see you may end up seeing something you weren't expecting uh in which case contact us immediately we want to hear about it but seriously it's it's kind of a fun time to go out you know you're going to see something interesting regardless but it's a good moment to go outside take a look up at the sky keep your eyes on it for a while especially a night sky and um see what you see because you never know and finally, there will be a solar eclipse this month if you can get to South America. Uh, this is going to occur December 14th, 2020. A total solar eclipse doesn't come along very often. So when travel is affected by COVID-19, it's a huge shame for international eclipse chasers. During this uniquely South American event, the moon's shadow will slip across Chile and Argentina, plunging those near the center of the path of totality into darkness for two minutes and nine seconds. Those in Chile and uh, Patagonia, Argentina, will experience a host of natural phenomenon from crescent sun shadows on the ground and silvery light to drop temperatures and a glorious glimpse of the sun's mighty white corona. The rest of the world will have to follow it online and make a plan to see the next eclipse. The next one in North America is not until 2024, so we've got a, a few years to go yet. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance, if you happen to be in South America listening to this uh, and have access and the ability to go uh, take a look, yeah, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have a chance and you have photos uh, and you, you manage to take a look at this uh, solar eclipse in a couple of weeks, send them our way. We'd love to share them with our listeners. Um, but otherwise, yeah, 2024 is your next window for, uh, for a solar eclipse here in North America. So that's it for uh, upcoming celestial events uh, for, for today. But, uh, you know, every week we'll try to find something interesting to call out and give you an opportunity to, to go outside and take a look at the night sky, see some cool things, and uh, see some unexpected things maybe. Who knows? Well, that's going to do it for this week's news on the Parachronicle Almanac. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the program, as we attempt to grow this show in our website, 
I'll continue to bring you the latest in paranormal news, which I love to do and I hope you'll find it interesting each week. But more importantly, we want to hear from you. We, we want to learn from you and, and hear about the strange things you've experienced. So if you have a subject you think would be interesting to the audience or better yet, a story to tell of your own, reach out. You can email me at hawk h-a-w-k-e at theparachronicle.com but you can also call our Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 you can also find all of our contact info at theparachronicle.com website under the contact tab so go there if you didn't if you didn't take down the number you didn't take down my email you can always go to the website theparachronicle.com and all our info is going to be there so if you're so inclined uh I'd really love to hear from from truckers. You guys are up at all hours of the night driving dark, deserted highways, roads. And I happen to know that's the best time of the night for strangeness. So if you're a trucker anywhere on the planet and you have a good story, give us a shout. And if we have enough stories in January, maybe February, we're a new show, so I don't expect to uh, have a large audience, but hopefully we've, we've, picked up some traction by then but january february somewhere in there we'll try to make a show out of it we'll try to get all of your emails and calls uh together into one program where we can talk about the strange things that truckers see i that's just like a a cool thing to me that you guys are out there driving the roads and like there's a lot of freedom behind it but also just like you're totally exposed to all the strange things that can happen especially since you guys are driving around in the middle of the night so yeah we'd love to hear from you uh, and again, 818-570-0126. That's our hotline. And you can email me at hawk at theparachronicle.com. But whether you have a story or are just tuning in for the news, we thank you for listening to the first edition of the Paracronicle Almanac. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening to us through. And find us on all the social media platforms for updates and quick hit news finds throughout the week. I'm uh, constantly scouring the the internet and uh, I'll post stories uh, on on our socials uh, throughout the week. So stay tuned there. And you can also find all of our updates on theparachronicle.com. So until next week, be well, and don't forget to spread a little kindness each day. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawk.